When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. It's kind of a cold, well, it's, it's like that uh, good fall weather, but a little bit of chill in the air. So looks like a good day. Let's start off thinking positively. The only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. The best preparation for good work tomorrow is to do good work today. And then, (laughs) I lost my place. Hold on. (laughs) When you can't figure out what's going on, create work you can. All right. So there we go. Uh, Anyway, we had, uh, by the way, the only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. (laughs) All right. Everybody, I, you know, I I hope you you had a great week. Um, You know, last week we talked about, uh, you know, basically the, the, the quadrant balance the weekly quadrant balance momentum indicator being as oversold as we can could seem. And and the other thing I noticed was that the we had the longest period of negative momentum in the terms of the NASDAQ index's history. That's why I was getting bullish. I, I you know it was a tough week the week before that, so I was a little bit down and out, but um I do think uh, there's there's a decent bottom in for now, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll go from here. But uh, look, if you want any of the stuff that we're going to talk about here, the dividend uh, growth portfolio, the, the prime income list, uh, our you know our family workbook, uh, inventory workbook, our wealth plan, our healthcare after retirement, uh, you know, just a modern retirement thing that we t- we put out. You want any of that? Just go to WHK fourteen twenty. Go to the local podcast down to Smart Investor Show. Bingo! It'll come out to you. You know, um, I was listening to Lori Calvacina, and she was talking about uh, you know a market topic that we have to really. I mean, look, what drives stocks? Is it politics? Is it is it interest rates? Is it the economy? No, it's earnings. Earnings, earnings. When it comes down, you know, to earn, if the stock's not earning more money every year, it's not going up. Okay, so there's three things, big things you first, you, you want to know as far as Lori's concerned, is that the S and P 500 stats simply aren't strong enough to get the U.S. market out of its recent melees. Now, if they change, that's different. Second, small cap trends are pretty similar to those in large cap which is good for small cap because large cap no longer have an, an earnings per share advantage, okay? And third, reading the overachieving theme so far is one to bending, not breaking, but the pessimistic tone is striking. I mean, it's, yeah. I, if you listen to CNBC, you'll probably jump off a cliff. Fox is uh, just as bad, I guess, but uh, I'm not criticizing either. Uh, you know, they do a good job, but they, you know the tone is is decidedly negative. All right, so so here's what stands out in Lori's eyes, I think, which is uh, you know, she's been, she watches the the macro picture very very closely. So for the S and P 500, 
the percent of companies beating consensus on earnings per share is 76%. It's the guidance that's whacking them, okay? So a little higher than last quarter, but the percent of companies beating consensus on sales has moved a bit lower. That's what I'm talking about, down to 63%. So tech has the highest percentage of earnings per share beats along with communication services. Remember, that was the, you know, the last, they were last in line a while back, and energy. Uh, the forward look is less constructive, all right? And that's what we're talking about. So the guidance is what's important here. And as we see, uh, still see mostly downward revisions for the full year and, and 2024 forecasts for a lot of the S&P 500 companies, most sectors are seeing a slight bias towards downward revisions. Now, one of well, I'll, I'll get to admit, the S&P 500 has already priced in a strong 2024 earnings per share recovery. Uh, so, you know, th- that's a problem. For now, the earnings trends that are coming through simply aren't good enough to keep the momentum going, okay? Especially, well, it, it might be different with the interest rates coming down a little bit this week. The advantage that growth companies have relative to value is really striking. and. Uh, you know, if you want to see more of that, I got a. There's a great. She, she has a whole page of it uh, on her, on her uh, weekly uh, report. So, so I guess the thing that you know, uh, small caps have been beaten up the most, and small cap trends being similar to what the large caps are, it's probably good for small caps because large caps don't have that earnings per share thing going for them. Okay. So the Russell 2000, the percent of companies beating earnings per share, is also tracking a little higher than last quarter, while the percent of companies beating consensus on sales has fallen a bit, same thing. And the forward look is also constructive for, for small caps, as we're seeing mostly downward revisions for the full year 2024 and 20, uh, 2023 and 24 for the Russell 2. Uh, but most sectors are a slight bias downward revisions on both earnings per share and forecasts, aside from energy. All right. So I guess what we're saying is small caps no longer look like they're at a disadvantage. And uh, that, that's been a problem. And if we look at the halftime report, I think there's some, you know, so far there's some key things here. The, the conversations on outlooks, demand, and general macro have generally tilted towards the negative. All right. The discussion around consumers have seemed a little bit more balanced between those high-flying resilience and some pressures, and and risk and negative impacts from rising rates stand out. I know we got a little help this week, so uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but pricing discussions continue to highlight moderation and the, the, the shift of pricing from a tailwind to a headwind, all right? And inflation costs are generally discussed as being the problems. You know, that's that's nothing new. On labor, key recurring topics have included moderation in hiring and improving, stabilizing backdrop. I mean, the employment numbers was way below what we expected this way. And I think the geographic commentary has been mixed on Europe and tilted negative in, uh, on China. And then uh, there's a number of companies that have referred to the geopolitics, the Middle East specifically, as something that could impact business conditions and add some uncertainty, okay? But remember, we just had the longest period of negative momentum in terms of the NASDAQ index history. And what Lori said here is that if you look at um, small caps, they are uh, well below uh, 
I think she said the standard deviation below one of the lowest levels in history. And she talked about healthcare that same way. So those, those are getting cheap. And last time I, uh, you know, checked healthcare is pretty important. I mean, I'm having uh, my knee replaced in January. So, uh, you know, things are moving right along, but anyway, let's talk about some other industries. Uh, you know, we looked at the industrial metals outlook and, and the stocks involved and, uh, you know, the slowing global growth and the rising supply could push some of these key industrial metals into surplus markets in 2024. That's what we think. So uh, you want to be a little bit cautious. I, I think some of that is warranted and, and demand for key commodities has remained relatively robust. So how is that going to affect some of the names All right, that we recommend in our equity area? And I'm not going to talk to you about that, but, you know, they get, got a call away for the uh, the report, but basement metal equities are trading at about 0.9% of the historical average and about 0.8% uh, against our forecast of the commodities. So, uh, it, it, you know, there's some people think there's a copper surplus that will be expected in 2024. Copper, you know, got hit, rebounding a little bit. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, will the Middle East put a lid on this? Uh, you know, there's a lot of things, but the headwinds for iron ore, met coal, and estimates have been raised. So the iron ore companies, I think, uh, uh, you know, we're expecting a weakening demand there too. So all these companies, and I, I got a lot of names in that area that look pretty good on the charts. So we got to watch that kind of carefully. And I guess the big qu uh, question, you know, we have uh, Halima Croft working for us, and uh, she's a model citizen. She was a Navy SEAL. And she worked for the CIA, and now she's head of our global commodity strategy. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not talking about commodities here. I'm talking about the commodities effect on the stock market. And, you know, I think you got, what she said on her, her last statement was, you've got to look at watch OPEC. And, you know, she's saying the window for a diplomatic off-ramp to avert a wider war in the Middle East appears to be closing. So we got to watch what exactly happens with OPEC because that could send, uh, uh, you know, oil prices going crazy. And, you know, President Biden made that statement that Israel was not involved in the hospital blast. And so, uh, you know, I think that's a positive. But uh, the risk of a second front on Israel's northern border appears to be kind of a rising at this point. So, you know, OPEC could have. Uh, kind of a bad effect uh, and the Israeli thing could have a bad effect on, on world markets. So we'll see what happens. It certainly affected Europe a little bit. So we'll see what happens now. Look, um, I, I talked to uh, Tom Gerritsen. Uh, he's a certified financial analyst for us in Minneapolis. Uh, he talked about uh, bond math and it, it sometimes it's more than yield. Okay. So the key events this week, we look at whether the time has come finally for the fixed income investors to look beyond yield and the prospects of bond depreciation, because the last three years you've been getting hammered. All right. I mean, this is the first time in history where we've had three years in a row where the bonds lost money. All right. So all these people are, are buying short-term bonds. And what he's suggesting may be is that, you know, you got to look at duration, which if you don't know what that is, you shouldn't be managing your own bond portfolio, but 
This may have been one of the most important and significant weeks for global income markets and perhaps markets in generally in recent months. That first, some things happened, and I think this is important. And, uh, you know, look, last week we had, uh, number one, uh, you know, we had a pullback in bonds, obviously, but what occurred, sorry, lost my notes, <laughs> uh, was that we had, you know, the the 10-year come in because, number one, we had less supply, we had a good employment number, and uh, it was one other thing, and I can't remember it. (laughs) I'll I'll remember it halfway through the show. So the point is, is that we had a key key turnaround in some of the interest rates. Now, I'm not saying they're going down forever because interest rates are, you know, and commodities are tough to figure out. It's just demand and supply. Usually when you have a, a, a top like this and it sells off, this is Tim Hayes speaking now, okay? You, you rally up again and then make a lower high, okay, if, if the move is over. If it's not, then it go, goes higher. So, look, there were three key events last week, the back, Bank of Japan's meeting, the U.S. Treasury Department's quarterly refunding, and, and the Fed meeting. Plus, on Friday, you had, you know, the employment numbers were very weak. So, so the market fears, uh, feared that the Bank of Japan was on the cusp of banning uh, it's a yield curve program, which is, you know, kind of capped the level at which policymakers would, would allow the 10-year Japanese bond yield to rise to before intervening. Uh, so that's, that's big. Uh, I think also, you know, the, the Fed, I mean, the Treasury Department uh, did not mark up the, the amount like they did earlier this summer of number of bonds they were going to put out. So that was good. Uh, because you know when when there's too much supply and there's not enough demand, price goes down, yields go up. Okay, and then you know finally uh, the Fed, uh, I mean Powell's uh, speech was was tough to really. Uh, I mean it was kind of wishy washy and 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 uh, <laughs> I, I to be honest with you, I came away uh, that he was a little bit less, uh, you know draconian in his thought process and uh other people thought he was draconian so i I think it was a mixed bag so uh we did start the week off on very strong i mean the month off on very strong footing remember sell in may and come back on all souls day and look uh november i mean october was a bad month september was a bad month but we had the fastest move in interest rates we went from 320 on the 10 year to five and that was the fastest move on a percentage basis in history. So when the long-term yields go up, stocks go down, it's that simple. And that's what's been happening to our dividend stocks. And uh, you know, the recent underperformance of dividend-paying stocks you know, probably proves to be a long-term opportunity. And I was looking at it, and you know, they've underperformed the broader market year-to-date, uh, mostly because of two things. Number one, yields going up very quickly, and the 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 outperformance of several high market capitalization, non-dividend paying stocks. Okay. So, but you know, they're, they're probably significantly discounted at this point. So I think that's a pretty good, uh, you know, scenario and dividend stocks have outperformed when relative underperformance has reached the levels that we're seeing like today. Okay. So, but you can't fake dividend. Okay. So a consistent dividend growth over a long period of time, is very important, and, and dividend stocks yields versus corporate bond yields are getting up there. 
All right, so it's it's pretty uh, interesting. So we're at one and a half standard deviations, well, one point three eight standard deviations below the normal uh, pricing for the dividend aristocrats. So it's probably a good time to be looking at that. You know, when when you're a standard deviation below something, trust me, that is important. And the the also. If you look at the relative P.E. ratio of the dividend aristocrats versus the rest of the S&P 500, they're almost a standard deviation below two. And P.E. ratios are just price to earnings. Okay, the $20 stock making two bucks, its price to earnings ratio is 10. All right. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back with uh, some more. This is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Three words my dad drummed into us boys all our life. The three words that define why it works. Consider it done. We talk a lot about Wallachadoodle, which is making it feel like everything was fixed by magic. But that's really the icing on the cake. The cake itself is... Consider it done. Because a plumbing problem's a rather unpleasant interruption to your day. Nobody calendars in time to deal with an unexpectedly broken water heater or sewer line clog or burst pipe. So what you want, in one sense, is to have one of our straight-talking, hard-working, do-it-right plumbers fix it for you. But really, you want the whole issue taken off your plate so you can get back to your regularly scheduled life. That's what Consider It Done means. As soon as you call us, you can consider it done. Problem solved, fixed, and fixed right. So the next time a plumbing problem interrupts your day, just call us and consider it done at whyitworks.com. You listen to this radio station for truth at a time when truth is an endangered species. Now, we want to invite you to listen to our sister TV network, Salem News Channel. You'll find us in the App Store or online at SalemNewsChannel.com or on Roku or similar devices. You'll see Hugh Hewitt in the morning, followed by Mike Gallagher. You'll see Dennis Prager, followed by Sebastian Gorka. And at 5 Eastern time, our newest star, Andrew Wilkow, with Dinesh D'Souza at 7 Eastern. Salem News Channel, the antidote to the mainstream media. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. If I can give a pat on the back to my friend Lenny uh, in in the technical area for uh, these WHK, he's doing a great job today <laughs> under duress. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I, I I I've talked about this in the past, and and people think AI is going away, folks. We've only just begun, and uh, you know, there's a couple guys who are pretty smart guys think that none of us have to work again. After this, uh, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, none of us will be working. But it might be a good time now that they've corrected. You know, we talked about the longest period of negative 
momentum in terms of the NASDAQ index history just ended. It, it was 13 weeks. Okay. So it, 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 it's, it, I mean, the longest I remember is 10. So this is a, a long period of time. And, you know, we have several themed reports on AI at this point. We not only have the AI stocks, which I have, uh, uh, I have, a, you know, quite, quite a few of those that I, I really like. And uh, also our data centers portfolio, um, the, a couple of those look a little shaky <laughs> on the charts, but look great short term, long term, they look great. Uh, and I, you know, when I send these things out, you're on your own. Okay. Uh, you do business with me. That, that's different. That, that's a whole different story. So um, let's talk a little bit about technical and then we'll get more into technical in the, uh, in the fourth uh, section. So, you know, we, we saw some early signs of an oversold market. That's what we talked about. And, you know, uh, if you look at the weekly momentum, it was down and we had both the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ composite at pretty strong support. And, you know, Rob Schleimer, uh, who I love, uh, he's, he's a smart guy and he says it like it is. Uh, great replacement for Bob Dickey. Uh, uh, if you ever went to one of our seminars with Bob, he was great. Um, but he has this quadrant, weekly quadrant balance momentum indicator, and it was below 10 last week. And I said that on the air and, and uh, it turned up in a hurry. So. Now, what we have to do here, I think, in, in the daily charts is we got to get through the downtrend line. And if we do that, uh, things can get really interesting quick. And, um, you know, one of the things he talks about is, uh, you know, uh, and, and this is I, I don't really want to talk about commodities too much. But what he says is, is that the 10 year yield, when it gets to 5 percent, the market does not really do that great. OK. And we got there, and then we fell off. I mean, we ended the week at 455, I think, for the 10 year. So we went from 5% in a week. That's a big move for bond yields. Believe me, a lot of people made money by buying the TLT this week, uh, especially in the bond pits where they're using 10, 25%, you know, leverage. I mean, uh, they use 75% leverage on. Uh, that's what you can do on Treasuries. So those guys made a fortune. Um, so that's good. Okay, so you know. But it may be time for all you bond guys out there. You know, if you'd like to see our municipal bond list, uh, or you'd like to see, you know, any of our bond lists, it's now's the time I think that you want to be looking, uh, especially any rallies in the ten-year yield for bonds. Okay, for those people. So, anyway, um, there's a great piece out called Rewriting Retirement, and it's from our Wealth Insights Group, and it. I, I read through it last night, and uh, man, I tell you, modern retirement's different. All right, you know, in the old days, uh, well, when they started Social Security, the average white male lived to forty-eight, uh, and they they were the the shining star of the male uh, race. Okay, uh, in America, anyway. Uh, so. And I'm not. I, I don't want that to sound uh, as it. It probably sounded bad, but I didn't mean it that way. But that's what we were working on. Now, the average male lives to 84. Okay, so you're now retiring for as long almost as 
as you like. Okay, so it, it's a, it's an interesting scenario, and I think rewriting retirement might be something for everybody. Uh, now, we, we put out a new portfolio, and it's a guided portfolio, and it's for global carbon innovators. Now, look, uh, I think we're, I think like carbon electric cars are going to be a great thing someday. Uh, but I mean, after listening to Ford and and GM this week, I I caught some of their uh, um, earnings calls. You know, they almost sound like they were going to give up. You know, I don't think they're going to, but they 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 sounded that way. You know, I mean, it was depressing, especially Ford's, and that guy's a good speaker. I mean, he, you know, the guy that runs Ford is a smart guy. The guy runs GM. The lady that runs GM is a very smart lady too. But it, it was. It wasn't exactly, you know, great. So there'll be some weakness. The reason is, is because these companies need money. Okay. So all the, the solar people, the electric car people, you know, anybody that's in, you know, what we call environmental social governance type portfolios, they need money. And when you have to pay a higher interest rate, it's harder to go out there and your, your balance sheet doesn't look as good because you're paying more out in interest. Okay. But this is kind of an interesting thing and it might be a, a, a good portfolio. Uh, it'll, it, it'll probably invest in 35 to 45 companies, you know, positions of about two, four, or maybe even 6%. Um, and, and so, you know, what I think you're looking at right now, is kind of a, you know, a climate transition risk right now. Okay. Uh, because, you know, not everybody's sold on it, and I get it. Uh, but you know, th- th- they'll be looking at all sorts of different ways to uh, to uh, make money in that area. And uh, so, you know, for those who uh, like that type of thing, it's there. Uh, and it, it, we have a great new report out, and I highly highly recommend it. All right. Uh, and also, I think now is the time to upgrade your portfolio. There are some stocks that got wiped out in September and October that have blown the cover off the ball. I know of one that had 9% revenue growth two quarters in a row and raised their dividend by $12 and is down 20%. <laughs> you know, so there's some interesting things there. And the other thing is, remember, we, t- we tell you on this show regularly to buy yield when it's up. And I would think that utilities. Uh, would be a good, you know, I mean, how are you going to run electric cars if you don't have utilities? How, you know, utilities are the main thing there. You know, they're talking about using uh, wind energy. Uh, that's great, but they kill a lot of birds. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to go about it. But, you know, utilities are making electricity. That's simple. And they've beaten them up because the, the long-term bond yields went up. You know, that might be a, a good idea for those who are bottom fishers. I think we have a couple on the prime income list that I'd recommend. They also beat up consumer staples just recently because of the fact that uh, Ozempic is out there. You know, 2 million people on Ozempic. Nobody's ever going to eat again. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the groups that got beat up were, you know, information technology, industrials, and materials. They all were down about 5% in, in the month of uh, uh, September and October. So, those are things, you know, we have a portfolio called Discipline High Quality. We get a quarterly report. I highly recommend it. Um, so those are the type of things that uh, we have to be looking at. And look, I, I think it's, 
it's safe to say that you know AI is not going away. That's why I mentioned that portfolio earlier. So the question I have is, are equity markets entering the AI era? You know, enthusiasm for the generative artificial intelligence has helped drive the stock market up for most of this year, for most of the gains. And if you look at the investment implications of this, potentially transformation technology, you know, transformative technology has only come along. I mean, look, the Internet in the, in the 2000s, all the Internet stocks went straight up. And then they said, oops, how are we going to get this all out to everybody? We're not wired for it yet. <laughs> Crashed and burned. And then the Internet slowly took over our lives. I mean, do you see anybody out with a, without a cell phone? Do you see anybody not on online at any time? So, you know, I just think it's important that, um, you know, like I said, we have two reports, the data center report, and the other report we have is on AI itself, different ways to play it. So I think, you know, the three-month surge in treasury yields has coincided with a three-month pullback in the equity markets, which, what a surprise. And we think the returns over the next 12 months will largely depend on whether the U.S. economy succumbs, you know, to a recessionary type thing or achieves a soft landing. And and, and that's going to be million dollars or the trillion dollar question. And it'll be based on what the Fed. And I don't think Mr. Powell wants to go down as, you know, one of the worst Fed chairs ever. So I think he'll he'll talk about inflation for a while and then back off. All right, let's, uh, it sounds like it's time to take a break. Let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember, if you want the information, WHK1420, local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, and you can get any of the stuff you want. We'll be right back. Thank you very much, folks. We've had a great night. I'm going to finish with a Van Morrison song just to send you all home. Hi, my name is Nick Scariotis. Ohioans are getting ready to vote on Issue 1. Issue 1 will take away parents' rights. It allows underage children to get abortions and life-changing surgeries without parent consent. It allows a baby to be aborted up to the time of birth. It's called partial birth abortion. That, my friends, is pure evil. The radical left is putting out commercials that are full of lies. Ohio's abortion laws will not change. What they want is to change Ohio's constitution to add issue one to it, which will take away parents' rights and allow for partial birth abortions. They want to destroy the next generation while enriching themselves by performing abortions. It's all about the money. God will hold us accountable for how we vote or don't vote, and his judgment will come, and we as Americans will not like it. Please vote no on issue one. Approved and paid for by Nick Scariotis. Carols, choirs, and a visit from St. Nick. All your holiday favorites in the splendor of Mandel Concert Hall. It's time to make your ticket list and check it twice with the Cleveland Orchestra. Holiday concerts with the Cleveland Orchestra and Chorus return this December. Reserve your tickets now and experience the sounds of the holiday season. Holiday concerts with the Cleveland Orchestra and Chorus presented by CIBC, December 13th through 23rd at Severance Music Center. Tickets available at clevelandorchestra.com. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. 
RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, we're back. Had a brief silence there. I wasn't sure what to do. Uh, anyway, a uh, couple things. You know, if you go to WHK's webpage and you go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, you can go directly to my webpage from there. And there's an insight banner. And under that insight banner, we've just had two new pieces put up, come out. And I, I talked to my clients about it, and they were surprised that that was there. <laughs> so I'm trying to get this word out that there's really good information on that page. Okay. Uh, and then under bulletin board, you have Rob Schleimer's roadmap, which is his weekly piece. Uh, actually, it's biweekly about now. But, if, you know, if you want to get in contact with me, if you want to sit down and talk about your portfolio, uh, do a wealth plan, uh, get get a family inventory workbook. Uh, you know, we have our health care plan and retirement, how to work that. And, you know, rewriting retirement is another piece that I think is great. But we also have the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. And look, last week, the small cap index was up 8%. Maybe it's time we start talking about our small cap stocks again, because, you know, when interest rates go down, they benefit the most. And one further thing, and look, it's that time of year where you're trying to put away as much money and hide it from Uncle Sam as you can. Uh, and, you know, when you put money in, a, in an IRA, it grows faster because you're not paying taxes on it. When you put it in a 401k, it grows faster because you're not paying taxes on it. Look, the the... Internal Revenue Service will get their money at the end, but you'll have more money at the end. If you need to talk about a retirement plan, we have people at, at RBC that do a great job. You know, we just talked to two people in the last two weeks and uh, helped one set up a single 401k and another one set up a group plan for his for uh, her people. And uh, we also have Dane Topich uh, at Dunbar, who, uh, you know, Dane's a really bright guy and, uh, you know, Dunbar, uh, it's Dunbar Bender out of Pittsburgh, but they've really done some great work as far as giving you the ability to increase the amount you can put in. Okay, so that that's important, I think. And uh, so, if you like any of that, let us know. But look, I, I'm going to mention this again. I, I think there's several themes in the economy. All right, and this is what uh, our people have been saying for some time now. The industrials are in the best shape they've been in a long, long time, balance sheet-wise. They haven't done anything crazy, okay? It just made their balance sheet better. Second thing, the energy guys are not out there, you know, drilling, drilling, drilling. What they're doing is they're working their balance sheet. They're talking about cash flow. So energy might be a real interesting place to be, and technology is is great. Uh, Now, I would say this, you know, Healthcare and small caps are really, really cheap right now. <laughs> All right. Now, I don't know what turns them around. Maybe it's interest rates. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, you know, healthcare, Ozempic has really knocked down all the guys that do diabetes and, and all that stuff. And Lily's trying to get their drug approved for, you know, because these are, these are for diabetes, but they also help with weight loss. All right. So we'll see what happens. But look, I think AI is going to be a key area. And there's some ways to play AI without buying a stock at 185 times earnings, okay? 
there's good quality companies. There's, you know, they're going to have to buy a lot of what they call GPUs. And GPUs are great, but they, they heat up quickly. So there's warehouses. There are going to be warehouses and warehouses of these things running at 125 degrees. They're going to have to cool them. So we've got some ideas on the data center cooling area with a really good analyst, by the way. And then, you know, there's, there's really kind of two contrasting d- dynamics that have shaped the equity markets this year. One is a handful of TechLink VMS uh, that accounted for the lion's shares of the game. And the rest of the market has followed a more tepid trajectory. Literally, you know, if you look at the S&P 500 versus the S&P 500 equal weight, I think there's like 14 percentage points between the two of them, okay? So a key driver of this trend has been an emergence of the generative artificial intelligence. So the stock market's enthusiasm for this was very strong, and then it went away because interest rates went up. But it's a very, it's potentially a transformative technology that right now brings investors a lot more questions than answers, okay? So the transformative uh, potential of artificial intelligence Technology extends across virtually all industries, but identifying long-term winners is going to be challenging. All right. So the emergence of the personal computer and internet provide lessons on how the AI adoption could filter through the economy, uh, and we have a real good. Well, let's put it this way: as markets respond to the AI rollout, the disciplined diversification can help investors guard against unintended risks. Uh, let's just talk about one thing. You know, we were talking about personal computers last week. All right. Believe me, they're going to have to be upgraded. Okay. So personal computers, you know, which have had a, you know, they had a big move up during the pandemic because everybody was working from home and they died for a while. So personal computers could get uh, interesting. So, but if, if you view it from a very high level, 2023 has been a kind of a rewarding year for the stock market. You know, year to date, the S and P 500 has, you know, gone up about nine nine percent, and I thirteen percent on a total return basis, and that's outpacing the, the the averages. Okay, so the information technology is up; it's ten companies are up thirty percent. Communication services are up twenty four. Consumer discretionary is up thirteen point five. Energy is up 10, but we also have utilities down 9%, real estate down 9%, healthcare down 3%. Healthcare was just starting to break out and then died. And consumer staples down uh, 4 in a very short period of time. So I think, you know, you have to uh, – the market's been very bifurcated, let's put it that way. And a common factor propelling these three sectors has been the interest in artificial intelligence. and. I just think, you know, this report that we have out there gives you a couple different ways to play it. Uh, you know, if you don't want to, if you're 75 years old, you don't want to be chasing things that are trading at 80 times earnings. I get it. But there's some companies that, you know, sell the parts, shall we say, to these uh, AI situations. And remember, a lot of the stocks that held up the best in the Internet were not the Internet stocks. A lot of those went bankrupt. What held up the best was the people who supplied the internet stocks. For example, let's talk about, you know, the gold rush in California. Name me one gold miner that made it out. But I can tell you about Levi Strauss and Ace Hardware and a few dozen other manufacturers or people who supplied 
the gold miners who made it big. Okay, so uh, just remember, you know, uh, Texas is merely one branch of, of, you know, the generative AI story. I, I think there's going to be some rapid uh, progress in like deep learning models and uh, re- uh, realms of images, audio, video, software coding, et cetera. And I, I was talking to a gentleman who was out at the uh, a recent technology conference uh, at, in Vegas, and he said that he was there talking to the guy, uh, and as he was walking away, his voice started talking, uh, telling a story. <laughs> That's how fast they developed it. So it's it's going to get interesting. If you'd like, you'd like a, uh, we have a great new report on on uh, AI, and I think it's worth uh, talking about. I, I know I spent a little bit more time than I should on this, but I think it's important. I would also suggest for all of you, you know, maybe it's time to get financially organized. You know, we have the family inventory workbook. It's a great piece. What it does is it puts everything in one piece of paper so that if anything happens to you, they know where it all is, okay? Uh, and then the wealth plan, you know? We, we can do a wealth plan for you uh, and give you an idea of how you're doing. Uh, now, look, I've had a couple people say, oh, I'm 99%. I don't have to worry about, you know, anything else. And then you have a couple of years like we've had in the last two years, and suddenly maybe they're not there anymore. So the key with the wealth plan and why I like it, you know, for my clients to have it is simply you can do what ifs. Okay. If we spend this money, if the market goes down, what happens? And I think it's very, very important uh, to, to pay attention to that. And then we also have our taking control of healthcare and retirement piece. Uh, you know, that is going to be 42% of your expenditures in retirement, 42% of your expenditures in retirement. That's a lot, folks. Okay, so don't be, uh, you know, that's a piece that I, I highly recommend to everybody. And uh, you know, look, there's some pieces that I I I kind of pass on to my clientele one by one. But rewriting retirement is is important because there's there's a mindset. You know, a new generation of people aren't sitting down doing nothing; they're going crazy. Uh, and then you know, like I said, taking control of healthcare is very very important. It, you know, it talks to you about Medicare. It talks to you about, uh, you know, some key points about concerns over the cost of care and, uh, you know, accumulate, some, you know, some wealth in your health care savings uh, portfolio, that type of thing. So there's there's uh, the, the HSA is a very strategic way of saving money for the, uh, the health care stuff. So keep that in the back of your mind. And I can't stress to you. The, the wealth management questionnaire, I'll just tell you this, doesn't take, well, if you and your wife are not on the same page, it takes a while, okay? If it's just you or just, you know, then you don't have any problem. But the point is, is that uh, I've never had anybody say, God, I wish I didn't do that. <laughs> you know, they they basically said, hey, this is good stuff, you know? And then we start doing the what if. You know, if they sign up with us, we do the what ifs, and they say, hey, this is really good stuff. And uh, so it's one of those things where I kind of highly recommend it, okay? So uh, enough of that. The equity markets were a very important fork in the road on Monday, and uh, they pulled back to, you know, to challenge some technical support areas, but they were also big-time support areas. So we rallied right off them, 
And the monthly momentum tracking the two to three year swings remains positive. It was at risk at turning negative, and that's what we were worried about. I think the major risk, of course, is what happens with 10 year interest rates. I know if they sold off pretty nicely this week, I mean, they went from 4.9 down to 4.55. That's a big positive. That's a big move. It's almost a 10% move in interest rates, okay? So it's, that's a big positive. The S&P are, and the NASDAQ are transmitting from overbought levels that we had back in the summer to extremely oversold levels. And like I said, you know, the momentum indicators that I follow for the NASDAQ were the lowest. It was the longest period of time for negative momentum in the NASDAQ's history. We also look at the the... You know, Rob Schleimer has invented, Rob is our head technician, and he's a very good one. He has invented this weekly quadrant balance indicator, and it got below 10. I've only seen below 10 like twice. And he has a good piece uh, out that shows how well we've done after that. And I'm not going to quote any names because there's what ifs on all that. But uh, hey, let's take a break and we'll come back with more uh, stuff from uh, Rob. And stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember, WHK 1420, local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, and you can get any of the stuff I talked about. Thank you. Stay tuned. getting harder and harder to make sense out of today's headlines. To stay on top of breaking world and national news with a Christian worldview and a faith-based perspective on what it means, turn to ChristianHeadlines.com. Log on to ChristianHeadlines.com for the very latest news and then sign up for our free daily newsletter to stay one step ahead of what's happening. Get out of the mainstream media rut with top news and positive headlines every day with ChristianHeadlines.com. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle is back and bigger than ever. For six years, the Christmas Mortgage Miracle has made it possible for you to win next year's mortgage or rent. This year, we've raised the grand prize to $18,000 to pay for next year's mortgage or rent. Increase your opportunity to win when you enter up to once per day and complete optional bonus tasks. Enter the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Contest now by going to whkradio.com slash contests. That's whkradio.com slash contests. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Marvin Gaye there, folks. Uh, you know, so, look, I, I'm talking about the charts now, and uh, the uptrend is intact, but I think uh, cycle momentum right now remains positive. And what I'm talking, I'm talking about uh, monthly cycle momentum. And it was at the risk of stalling. So we had to watch, I, I think the key supports here, uh, at least uh, our, our boy Rob, uh, who I think he's great, uh, his key support is four 
4,000 to 4,200 on the uh, S&P 500. And then the next support is 3,800 to 3,500. So it was good that we turned up this week. Uh, but remember, we're getting into the seasonally good time. And it's funny, you know, October 30th, you know, we had a pretty good day. Monday, we had a great day. And, uh, you know, I, I started talking to people Monday morning. We were up 50, 60 uh, points. By the end of the day, we're at 500, okay? So the the rebound is really good this time of year. Remember, go away in May and come back on our Souls Day. So seasonality is in our favor at this point. And, you know, between October 31st and November 30th, usually you have a very strong opening, and then we have some wishy-washy time, be, you know, and the first week of December is kind of down. So, but use the, these times, I think, to, to buy things, which is important, but the the weekly momentum indicator was the lowest it was since 2020, okay? And the last time was 2020, uh, 2009. So uh, it's amazing if you look at the, the, you know, the longer view of the quadrant balance uh, momentum oscillator, th- there's been big moves when it got down this low, so to the upside. So don't get, don't get too negative. And by the way, I, I have a piece that shows how these uh, – companies or or how the S&P 500 has done when the weekly quadrant balance momentum indicator oscillator, I'm sorry, uh, is where it is. And and it's, it's been pretty positive. Okay. Um, hasn't been hundred percent positive, but it's been pretty positive. So, uh, but I looked at the, you know, the NASDAQ and the, and we're, the weekly momentum was pretty negative and same with the, um, I mean, if I look at both the S&P and the NASDAQ, it was very negative. And so those are the type of things that you you pay attention to the other thing that kind of surprised me was the percentage of stocks above their 200 day moving average. It was, it was, you know, declining consistent with kind of the seasonal weakness and it moved into oversold territory. And look, the number of stocks below the 50 day moving average is down to an area that has been very supportive of a rebound. Okay. So, uh, and that's Rob's terms, not mine. So keep it up. Now, the one thing is we continued to climb. You know, we, we got too bullish, then we became less bullish, and we we were moving into bearish sentiment. And then, you know, it turned around a little bit this week, so we'll see what happens. But we're not getting too bullish, not too bearish. Everybody, look, the Russell 2000 was up big this last week. It was up 8%. Uh, it, the, the problem is its relative performance remains very weak, and it's in a downtrend with no hasn't has shown great evidence of reversing. We'll see what happens this week, but I think it's it's something you got to pay attention to. Uh, and if you, if you look at the micro caps, they're in worse shape than that. But that's like I said, these are the ones that usually do better when we uh, see a you know a a change in especially in interest rates. So if they're up eight percent, they might be signaling that people think interest rates are going to come down. You know, and that half a point this this week uh, was pretty imp- impressive. But, but I think we're in a reflationary period. Okay, uh, we you know we had deflation from basically 1999 to 2016, and now we're in a reflationary period. There's nothing wrong with inflation. That's what happened. You know, after the big you know decline in tw- in uh, 29. You know, we had. Uh, a bear market, and then we had reflation from oh, it's 1940s, late 1940s up until the 1960s. So remember, when you have these long-term 
structural bull markets. There are bear markets within it. You know, in in the in one of the greatest bull markets of all time, 1980s, you know, to the 2000 period, we had 1987. Okay, we had 1999-2000 when Saddam Hussein rolled into town. We had 1998 when the Russian Rubin crisis hit. So, but it happens, okay? So you have these four-year cycles, and we keep talking about that because, you know, when does the four-year cycle start? Well, we're talking about 2024, if we're correct. They're not going to ring a bell at the bottom, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. They're not, okay? So my advice is, for those of you getting out of equities, uh, you should have done that two years ago, I guess, and that, you know, maybe uh, I made some bad calls. I, you know, I'm responsible. I, I take responsibility for that. But I, I also, you know, had several money managers that never lost a beat. They were not down, okay? And the dividend, you know, dividend portfolios were down. Uh, I They're really high-quality companies, and they're coming back strong. But I, I look, if you look at the yield, on the 10-year bond, and when it gets at 4% or 5% or over, usually the markets have a hard time, okay? And, uh, you know, in the in the late 70s, you know, the interest rates got up to like 18, 15, 18%, and then they started their path down. Uh, and now we're back, you know, we, got, we hit 5%, and the question is, are we going above it? And that, that's the key, I guess. Uh, so, you know, you're just going to be paying attention to that 10-year yield. Uh, in the meantime, we have a repetitive four-year cycle that happens every year. We do have the four-month over the 13-month now, which is positive. Uh, that's a moving average, okay, what we're talking about. Sometimes when you – those are great ways to, to, to see the – you know, uh, it's a histogram, let's put it that way. And and what if you look at that, the four-month over 13-month, remember, it was extremely overbought back in 2021. Okay, and we went into 2022 and we said, hey, we're very overbought. We said the bullish percent was at 80. And and then we went to the lowest level on that histogram that I've ever seen. But it's turning up. So keep keep that in mind. In the meantime, remember, the weekly quadrant balance momentum oscillator was one of the lowest I've seen in a long, long time. It's turning up. All right. And that's very important. Now, usually it bounces a couple times. All right. And I don't think we're going straight up, although that's kind of what we did last week. And I think what we'll do is we'll, you know, go up for a while, come back a little bit, go up for a while, come back a little bit, and make the sideways pattern before we go up uh, big time. And, you know, I think you're also going to watch the 10-year yield. Simple as that. So what would I be doing right now? You know, uh, first of all, if you go to our webpage, if you go to WHK1420, and you go to our webpage, you go to uh, local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Go to our insight, uh, go to my webpage and insight banner. There's two new pieces out there. They're really great. Also, Rob Slimer's stuff is under roadmap and we have a weekly newsletter. But don't forget the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. I think it might be time to take a look at small caps. I was a little early back in January. Sorry about that. And also, uh, don't forget, if, you have, if you're thinking about a retirement plan, we have some experts here at RBC. We've also got some guys that can help you put away more money at Dunbar Bender, and uh, we'd be glad to work with you on those. So uh, in the meantime, have a great weekend. Uh, LEAF is a four-letter word in my neighborhood. I don't know about you, but uh, it's LEAF time. Remember, to buy low, sell high. This is Tim Hayes.
Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group.